And a good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. I remember early on in my Christian experience, while I was still a student at Michigan State, and somebody came came my way and, in the course of conversation, tried to make the argument that Christianity really is the religion of Paul. It's not the religion of Jesus. That, Je- that Paul, in fact, never really draws upon the earthly ministry of Jesus. Uh, didn't he say he doesn't? He, he won't know Jesus after the flesh? You know. And so, uh, what Paul did is he went on and started his basically his own religion. Um, I have to say, it it bothered me for a period of time. Back then, I happened to come across a book by a New Testament scholar named F.F. Bruce, uh, who wrote a book, Paul and Jesus, many years ago. And that book was most helpful, because he actually drew parallels between the teaching of Jesus and Paul. And also, particular instances where where Paul does rely upon the sayings of our Lord. Now, you would think that a study would set this argument aside, uh, and that here we are now, 25, 30 years later, that this would no longer the, make the rounds. But it makes the rounds maybe even more so today than it did back then. A common claim, as my guest Jimmy Aiken has pointed out, a common claim in some skeptical circles is that St. Paul never quoted Jesus. A second claim is that if he had reliable knowledge of Jesus, he would have quoted him. And the conclusion then is drawn that from these premises, uh, St. Paul is not to be regarded as a reliable source on Jesus. Did Paul never quote Jesus? Did he, was he unaware of the Jesus tradition? What did he have? What didn't he have? We're going to explore that with Jimmy Aiken, Senior Apologist at Catholic Answers, uh, weekly guest on the uh, global radio program Catholic Answers Live. He's an author of dozens of publications, including The Fathers Know Best, uh, Mass Revision, uh, Salvation Controversy. Good to have you, Jimmy. Thanks. Thank you, Al. It's great to be here. It's been a while, it seems, since we've talked, but I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad we, we caught up. Hey, uh, this, is an old, this is an old problem. Uh, I remembered it when I was in college, uh, being told that uh, the, the New Testament didn't have integrity because uh, Paul really was a, an outlier. Uh, he really wasn't part of the Jesus tradition. He invented his own religion, etc., etc., etc. And this was connected to the claim, as you point out in a recent piece, that um, St. Paul never quoted Jesus and that he didn't have reliable knowledge of Jesus. Now, set that up for us, because these premises are highly questionable. They are, and something that, uh, something that I've always been struck by among people who make these claims, and there are even some people today who, although they're kind of on the fringe, uh, there are even a number of skeptics today who are asserting that Jesus never even existed, and that the whole thing is, is kind of a figment of Paul's imagination. And this is really problematic. I mean, we do have evidence from multiple different sources that Jesus did exist, not just Christian sources, but other sources as well. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't like what St. Paul has to say in his epistles, well, we've got the Gospels, mm-hmm. and the Gospels tell us a lot about Jesus. Yeah. Now, if St. Paul were the inventor of Christianity, quote-unquote, and the Gospels are based on St. Paul's thought, then there's an even more striking thing to explain than the fact Paul doesn't quote Jesus that 
much, which is that the Gospels don't quote Paul at all. <laughs> and so the Gospels seem to represent an independent stream of information about Jesus, thus making it unlikely that uh, that St. Paul uh, invented this faith. In fact, by his own confession, he didn't. Um, he refers to himself in 1 Corinthians as one who became a Christian later, after others, after, in fact, the first 12 disciples. Uh, he makes no claim to having invented all of this, and he also acknowledges that he's dependent on earlier Christians for certain aspects of his knowledge of Jesus. Very in true. fact, he, use, he uses the technical language of, of tradition. He says, what I received, I also passed on to you. Mm-hmm. And so he acknowledges that he, is, uh, he has received the traditions about Jesus from predecessors, and now he's passed them along. Um, of course, he had visionary encounter with Jesus himself, uh, and on more than one occasion, but his knowledge of Jesus is not limited to those visions. He absorbed the Christian tradition from his predecessors in the faith, of whom there are quite a number that are mentioned just in St. Paul's epistles. Yes, that's right. So that's kind of a general framing of the issue. Well, let's go then, then to look at um, if St. Paul, in fact, quoted Jesus. What do we have that can be tied to the Jesus who's presented to us in the uh, Gospels? Well, um, it's really kind of striking. If you if you Google, as I did yesterday in preparation for writing the blog post uh, that, that uh, we're talking about, um, Paul quoted Jesus, you will just turn up a stunning number of sites asserting that Paul never quoted Jesus. And I can only conclude from that that these people, the people writing these sites, are simply repeating a myth and have not actually read St. Paul himself. Exactly, Be- yeah. Because I'm like, dude, um, 1 Corinthians 11, we have, we have St. Paul saying, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, here comes a direct quote from Jesus, this is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. And then he goes on in the same way, uh, also the cup after, after supper, saying another direct quote from Jesus, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. <laughs> so right there, we've got two direct quotations of Jesus that are among the more famous things Jesus said. I mean, these are the words of institution. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these are the words of institution. These are central to early Christian worship. And that certainly uh, to have St. Paul quoting Jesus on this is remarkable. Right. Uh, he, uh, he also quotes Jesus on other occasions. If you look at 1 Timothy 6, um, he quotes the saying, the worker is worthy of his wages. And that's a tradition that, uh, that is also preserved in Luke, uh, in Luke chapter 10. And in fact, that passage uh, acknowledges, or seems to acknowledge, that Luke had already been written by the time 1 Timothy was written. Yes, that's Because right. he, he sets it up saying, for the Scripture says, mm-hmm. and then he quotes that saying of Jesus. So he seems to be directly referring to the Gospel of Luke there. Yes, yes. Uh, of course, you know full well that uh, those there are people who, who challenge Paul's authorship of 1 Timothy. Uh, there the, are, and and the reasons for that are, are not, uh, not, not really good. Um, they, I mean, they don't ultimately pan out. If, if people are interested in reading a very interesting defense 
of uh, Paul's authorship of uh, of the pastoral epistles, including First Timothy. If you go to Bible.org, there is a series of introductions uh, by Daniel Wallace, who is, he's a Protestant gentleman, but he's one of the great New Testament scholars of yeah. our day. He's also and a great textual a, scholar. Indeed, and yeah. he has a he has a really good um, uh, discussion of Paul's authorship and why the objections to it really don't end up panning out in the end. But even supposing supposing someone doesn't accept Paul's authorship of First Timothy, fine. Everybody accepts his authorship of First Corinthians. Right. That's one right. of the core undisputed Pauline epistles that right. even skeptical scholars acknowledge as Paul from Paul. Now, what about this passage in First Corinthians where he makes a distinction between the advice that he gives? Uh, that is advice where he doesn't have a directive from the Lord, and advice that he urges upon people because it directly is from the Lord. Yeah, uh, this is another really fascinating thing. If Paul just thought that he could just make up stuff about Jesus, then he wouldn't bother saying things like, I have no command of the Lord, but I give my opinion. (laughs) Right. You know, he just wouldn't do that. And so if you want to see where that is, that's in 1 Corinthians 7, and he's talking about marriage, and he acknowledges that on some points he has a command from the Lord. If you look around verse 10, he says, To the married I give the charge, not I, but the Lord. That mm-hmm. means this comes from Jesus. That the wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, let her remain single or else be reconciled to her husband, and that the husband should not divorce his wife. And so this is clearly something that was part of Jesus' teaching. We find that same tradition uh, recorded in both Mark chapter 10 and in Luke chapter 16, that just because you've gotten divorced doesn't mean you're free to marry anybody. You're still objectively bound to your prior spouse, assuming, of course, the marriage was valid. But then, when he gets to the subject of the unmarried, Paul says, Now concerning the unmarried, I have no command of the Lord, but I give my opinion as one who by the Lord's, who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, I don't have an explicit command here, but God is you know, guiding me in some way, and so I, I'm giving an opinion, but I think it's trustworthy. <laughs> and that kind of distinction would not be made at all, if he felt the liberty to just make up stuff and attribute it to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There are other passages, too, in which uh, the quote is not necessarily a direct quote, but it's more of an allusion or a Mm -hmm. reference to vivid imagery that's uh, associated with Jesus. There's a a section which I I thought, just a tiny thing I, I find fascinating, it's where uh, St. Paul uh, urges uh, the Corinthians to eat what is set before them, uh, mm-hmm. and yet we also have this statement from Jesus instructing his disciples that when they go into a town, receive what you eat, receive, and let, if they receive you, eat what they set before you. Uh, as mm-hmm. though the hospitali- kind of a hospitality requirement that uh, Jesus makes of the disciples, and which Paul then passes on as well to the Corinthians. Yeah, there are lots of little contact points like that between Jesus' theology and his way of approaching things and Paul's, where there's not not a quotation per se, but there, it, 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 it you know, sounds like something very similar being right. worked out. Just the same way that you or I might try to apply Christian principles, principles deriving from Christ, to things in our lives, in our day, without explicitly quoting Jesus every single time. That's right. That's right. Now, you also refer to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Many people think this is one of Paul's greatest uh, 
poetic achievements. It's the love mm-hmm. passage. And right. uh, go ahead. You find in there a reference to the teaching of Jesus. Yeah, um, this is something I was recently going through the Gospel of Mark, and I hit the passage where Jesus is talking about uh, if you have faith, you can move mountains. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, Paul says that too, and I uh, or refers to that concept too. And it's not elsewhere in the New Testament, or as far as I can tell, the Old Testament. Um, the idea of faith that can move mountains seems to only appear. Uh, on the lips of Jesus and from the pen of Paul in 1 Corinthians 13. If I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Jimmy, how can people stay, get part of, become part of your Secret Information Club? Just have a few seconds here. They can go to secretinfoclub.com and sign up, or they can go to jimmyakin.com and sign up, and that's also where they can read the blog post we've been talking about. Very good. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you.